0: Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. We we are starting a new series today, and uh, it'll be a shorter series, just through the month of May. But we're calling it Family Dynamics. And as I start this today, I, I want you to know how difficult this one is for me to preach and remember that throughout the month. We have a multi-generational church. How many praise God for that? Look around, there's young, there's old. We have visitors they are young and old. It just seems like we have a very healthy mix here. And honestly, I've been told that that's not not possible anymore to really have a functioning multi-generational church. It's very hard to do. And it's not that we've done it as pastoral staff, or it's just something God has done. And it's so exciting to me because we need, guess what, young people, you need the old people. And old people, you absolutely need the young people. Because without the young people, you get older. you right. Young, there's like this freshness and this life and this energy that you don't always have when you're older. And when you're older or when you're younger, you need wisdom because that, all that energy can send you down roads you shouldn't go down. And so we need both, and that's so important. But it, it does present some things in church that are difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to preach messages because how do you hit everybody all at once? Um, we have a church that reaches out to the community, too. That's another, another thing. It, it's a great thing. How many are happy that we do that, that we, we actually have people getting saved on a regular basis in this church? Praise the Lord, right? That's a wonderful thing. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But with that, when you're an outreaching church, there's so many situations of all kinds, so many broken families, so many tough things, and there's, they're broken in so many different ways. You can't possibly preach something and have it hit everybody just right where they're at. And because of these things, there, there's, there are so many family dynamics, different family dynamics represented in our congregation. You even add on the, the at online campus where, where we have up to really 150 people a week watching online, between 100 and 150 people a week, which is wonderful, but there's so many different kinds of family dynamics represented. I can't possibly hit every unique circumstance. So please, here's my big disclaimer. As we go through this series, I need you to hear my heart regarding family. Don't just listen through your own filter of personal experience or circumstance. The word of God is truth, right? How many believe it's true? Raise your hand. We're voting today. Everybody in here believes it's true. The word of God is true. So we're going to read the word of God, and if it steps on your toes, that's okay. But don't just hear my words through your own filter of experience. And you'll know what I mean as we get into this. If ever there has been a time in which we need messages preached on family, it's now. But it's also never been more difficult to preach without offending those that may be listening with skewed ears because of what they have or are, what they are going through. And I get it. Family is, uh, it can be an extremely sensitive issue. I just want to give some biblical framework for building strong biblical families So even though we are all in different places and even in different seasons in our family relationships, my prayer is that none of you will feel judged or condemned as we go through this, but encouraged and motivated to build up uh, and work on those relationships no matter where you find yourself starting from in your family relationships. So so family dynamics. Um, I've played musical instruments my whole life, as long as I can remember. Somewhere along the line, I came to the realization That beautiful music is absolutely dependent on how we handle and interpret musical dynamics. Some of you that are musicians, you'll know what these words mean, but pianissimo means very quiet. Very, very quiet. Piano, when it's written as a dynamic in a musical score, means quiet. Mezzo forte means moderately loud. Forte means loud. Fortissimo means very loud. Sforzando, a sudden forced loud. Kind of like the music is saying, yes, in the moments. A sudden forced loud. Now you're awake, right? Sorry. Not really. A crescendo is gradually getting louder. A diminuendo, gradually getting quieter. So all these musical terms that you find in musical scores, they create dynamics, and they absolutely are what makes the music beautiful. And this got me thinking about the dynamics that play out within families. Everything from loud and soft conversations, you have a few of those, we all have, to the very pace and tempo that our family performs at. And just as dynamics in music are essential in bringing out the best in any given musical score, so, family dynamics and how we handle them are essential to bringing out the best in our families. How many know what Jeremiah 29, 11 says? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And just as much as that verse says, It's true for every individual. It's also true for the family that you have been uh, born into. God wants to bless your family. Let me say that again. God wants to bless your family. He does. And it doesn't matter if you come from uppity royalty with all of the wealth and privileges that come with that or if you are just scraping by in low-income housing. It doesn't matter if you're from the hood or from the farm from a seemingly perfect family or a broken or split family. It doesn't matter if you are from an ultra supportive family or an abusive type situation. The truth doesn't change. In God's heart of hearts, no matter what kind of family dynamic you have had to endure, He has a plan for you. He absolutely does. And He has a plan for your family. A plan to prosper and not to harm. Plans with a hope and an amazing future. So to begin, let's start with something very basic. Let's think of our families as God intended, a beautiful symphony performed for his glory. How many could describe your family this morning as you were getting ready for church as a beautiful symphony created for his glory? Because when I think about when I was a kid, I think about the hassle us four kids gave our parents. We all had to share one bathroom, okay, not fun. So, we're sharing the bathroom, you know, we're getting ready, we're trying to keep our one, or one and a half foot uh, space where we're in the mirror and you don't get into somebody else's mirror and you brush your hair like this and all that stuff, right? And there's fighting, there's bickering, there's I don't like what I'm wearing, you know, I had two sisters. How many know that girls always seem to have closets full of nothing to wear, right? I'm just trying to be truthful. <laughs> I love my sisters. But we got, we got very, uh, we, we would bicker, we would fight, and then in the car, we'd all be sitting, four of us in the back seat, and oh, he touched me. And we weren't singing the old hymn either. You know, he touched me, oh, he touched me, you know. There was fighting going on. It wasn't a beautiful symphony. I don't know how your morning was. I mean, my kids are basically out of the house, so Alyssa and I had a beautiful symphony going on. So it was wonderful. <laughs> Some of us have that, uh, it's not really a symphony, it's more like a bunch of tone-deaf kids making noise on instruments, and I I get that. Symphonic orchestras only make beautiful music when they follow their conductor. Everybody say, follow Follow. the conductor. So in the symphony of our family, we must do the same. We must follow the conductor. And I want to do something this morning a little different. This section over here, wave at me. Okay, you're all over there, you're all listening, right? I want, you to, I want you to practice this for a second. I want you to rub your hands together like this. Okay, good. You can do it louder, you can do it soft, do it pretty loud. All right, that's good. When I cue you, you're gonna do that, all right? Over here, this section, y'all, y'all with me, okay? Snap your fingers. Some of you can't snap your fingers. Denny, did you get your thumb caught in a farm implement or something? You can't snap your fingers? All right. Okay? We're going to make a rainstorm. You're going to be the wind. You're going to be the rain, the light rain. Third section, I want you to slap your thighs. Not too hard, but just slap your thighs. A little louder. Okay? That's good. You're the heavy rain. All right? Fourth section, I want you to stomp your feet. You're that rolling thunder in the distance. And you can, you can get loud and get soft if you want, all right? Get louder. Now get soft. And the kids' church downstairs is freaking out right now, and that's great. <laughs> they do it to us, now we get to do it to them, right? In section five over here, we're going to have you all clap your hands together like a loud, cracking thunder. So one, two, three. Louder. One, two, three. Louder. Louder yet. Ready? It's all right. (laughs) You'll do better when we get it going here. So So I'm going to direct you, and we're going to make a rainstorm. So nobody make any sounds with your voices. I want you to follow me as the conductor right now, okay? So here we go. I'll cue you in like this. More wind. More rain. Let's hear that thunder. Okay, back down. Ready? Rig, big. You hear that? Everybody go. Ready? Rain stopped. Sun came out, right? That's good. Sound like a rainstorm, didn't it? Kids were like, is it storming upstairs? Now, the only reason that worked is because you followed me as the conductor, but let's understand that the key to healthy families is following Jesus as our conductor. So what does our conductor say about families? So glad you asked. Our conductor, number one, instituted families 1st just going to give you some basic stuff this morning as we get into this, but our conductor, Jesus, instituted families first. Genesis 1, 26 through 29 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. There's a, there's a, a point to the Trinity right there. One God, three God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. Families were instituted before the church. I want you to think about that. Families were instituted before any government. They are the most basic building block for any society. And without the institution of family, every other institution fails. Where do you think the devil would most want to attack more than anywhere else to bring down a nation that's one nation under God? At least that's what we're supposed to be, right? He'll attack the family first, the most basic building block. Government doesn't work when family... When, when family doesn't work, churches will not work. When the family doesn't work, society in general will not function when the basic building flock, block of family isn't working. And I want you to think about this. The church, let's just look at that one for a second, has really engaged in trying to disciple its members. This has become a major focus for churches, especially in the last several decades, Discipleship. We have all these programs, right? We have all these ways of doing it. We do small groups. We do classes. We do life groups. And we we talk a lot about circles and rows. And how many know this is rows this morning? You're sitting in rows. But then we we, we talk about and emphasize the importance of circles, where you get in circles and, and you can talk back and forth. And that's where the real discipleship happens, right? I've heard that said so many times. And it's true. And they're good programs and it works. and they're needed, but the first circle group meant for discipleship that was ever invented was the family circle. The prayer times, the family Bible reading times where you sit in a circle and discuss around the living room or maybe at the kitchen table family devotions, and even those family worship times. Have you ever, instead of watching a movie together, Let's have a family movie night. Let's have a family game night. Let's have a family worship night. I don't really know too many people that do that. But why wouldn't we? That's what we do at church. We don't do that when we're home. Why? Some think about times where we just sing around or sit around and we sing praises to God as a family. That, that would be the best, in, that, that, that is the best discipleship group ever invented, family. In fact, since the invention, I gotta be careful how I say this, but since the invention of youth pastors and children's pastors, which we have amazing youth pastor and children's pastor, wouldn't you agree? But since the invention of those, teens and children within the Christian home are less likely to grow up with their parents' faith It's not their fault, by the way. It's not because youth and children's pastors are a bad idea. It's because in many cases, moms and dads have given their God-given responsibility away. They have given it to someone else to do, and it just doesn't work as well as when it's in the home. The family was God's design and was his first institution, and it still works today. And I was a youth pastor for 18 years, and I can tell you this beyond a shadow of a doubt. The kids that were easiest to minister to, and and there are exceptions to the rule, don't get me wrong, but the ones, generally speaking, that were the easiest to minister to and see them grow in the faith, were the ones that had stable, solid families at home. Well, how dare you say that about me and my kids, because we didn't have stability. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that there's not a chance, that there's not a way that God can't make a way. I'm not saying there's not redemption, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm just making a statement that's true, at least in my experience of 18 years, and I think if you talked with our youth pastor and our children's pastor, they'd say the same thing. Stepping on any toes? I hope not. I'm really not trying to. The family is monumentally important. So important. And there's responsibilities that go with that. Not only did God institute the family first, number two, our conductor defined what family is. Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let me be very clear this morning. A family is created when one man... Dramatic bras And one woman are married. This is God's intention for a family, biblically speaking. And when kids come along, it's an overflow of the love between the man and the woman. It doesn't mean kids are less important. It just sets the tone of the marriage between the man and the woman, that that is the center of the family. Jesus is the center of the marriage, and the marriage is the center of the family. That's how it ought to be. Biblically speaking, that, that means that that phrase that, oh, we're going to wait a couple years before we start a family, that's wrong. You started a family the day you said, I do. That, that's a family right there. The kids are a overflow of the love between you. And they're important and they're wonderful and they're gifts from God. But they should never be the center of the home. The marriage should be the center of the home. And God should be the center of the marriage. Can I get an amen? All right, there we go. Now, before anyone gets upset at me or or whatever, remember this is... This is how God intended it to be. But we all know that we live in an imperfect, sin-stained world where every person has their own free will to live up to God's design for the family or to choose not to live up to that standard. So there are are many situations to cover here. If, If and if you've ever experienced divorce, for instance, due to the choices of your former spouse, there are biblical guidelines for divorce. And if that has ever happened, I'm not saying that you and your kids are no longer a family just because mom or dad isn't in the picture or, or is only there part of the time, all right? I'm not saying that. Understand that God hates divorce, right? People get mad when I say that, but the Word of God says it. And, and you know what's true? Anybody that goes through it hates divorce too, usually. And there's not only grace for those individuals and their families, there is beauty for ashes. You give the brokenness. It's just like anything else in our walks with God. We give Him the brokenness of our lives, whatever that might be, even within our families, and He gives us beauty in return. There's redemption, church. There's redemption. Just because divorce was never God's original intention for a marriage doesn't mean that he doesn't allow for it when the biblical conditions are met. Adultery, abuse, abandonment, these are real things that happen to real people, and they are destructive to the family. As some of you know all too well, but to, but to those that have been victims of these things, let me say this, you shouldn't have to feel, and please don't feel, as if you're kicked to the curb by God because of it, because that's not the truth. That's the devil getting in there and condemning you. The Bible says, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And there may be individuals here that were the very reason divorce happened, you messed up the marriage, you messed it up, you broke the family because of your own choices. There might be individuals here like that. And even then, you are not beyond redemption. Are you hearing me? you're not beyond redemption. Of course, repentance must happen, and the family may not be salvageable because of what's been done in the past. I get that, but we must not change in our minds what God originally intended marriage to be because of our own personal struggles and circumstances. The truth remains the truth. This is what God intended, and this is what sinful people have done. And we're all sinful. And it's true, people will say, this is my truth, or that's your truth, in attempt to, I think, justify sin. I hate that phrase, well, this is my truth. And I understand that that could mean, this is my perspective of how I see things. But, but most of the time when I hear people say that, they're saying, this is what I believe to be true in my own heart. Or I have developed this truth, this truth, a way of thinking or this belief system that I believe to be true. And a lot of times, it's an attempt to justify sin. Yes, we have our feelings and emotions, and I'm not saying that these are invalid, but the truth of God's word should never be changed in our minds to fit our situations. Life happens, but the results that incur from our own decision or decisions of others do not change the truth of God's word. I need to break this down a little bit so you understand what I'm talking about. There are individuals who go through tough, tough family ordeals. And I, man, there's as many situations as there are people, right? Can I just say it this way? You can't change the truth of God's word to fit what your situation is. You take the situation that you're in and you use the word of God as a backdrop and then make decisions based off that. The Word of God is our source of truth, not our situation. Does that make sense? No matter what, I've met people who, who have a loved one, a family member, who has chosen an alternative lifestyle, a homosexual lifestyle, for instance. And they've even had same-sex marriage ceremony kind of things going on and they're a couple now and they live together and they had they've adopted kids and and this is what happens all too often in so many areas of our of our moral code and i i I just need to hit this hard today so you understand what i'm talking about you love that person i have people in my life that that i truly love and care about But their decision to do something that the Word of God says is sin doesn't change the fact that it's sin because I love them. I love them. I care about them. I want the best for them. I want God's best for them. But if they choose a lifestyle contrary to the word of God, I can't go, well, let's, let's try to make this work. Let's try to piece this together. Let's try to change the word of God here a little bit, because I love that person, and I just can't bear to think that they're doing something wrong, because they're a wonderful person, and, and they, they, they're a loving person. They do good things. They're a good person. Is my belief system going to say that, they're, that, that, that they might end up in hell? I can't bear to think that, so I'll change what I believe even though the word of God says it. Do you know how often the church does that? People in the church do that. And those that hold the line, so to speak, of the word of God are the ones that are called judgmental, hateful, abusive, hate speech. They're accused of all sorts of things. I'm not saying this is easy, church. I'm saying this is, a, this is a balancing act. How do you love people with all of your heart and not approve of what they do? And we know that with God all things are possible, so we, we, have, we have the strength and the ability to do it. It just takes work. The source of what you believe to be true In reference to family relationships, that's what we're talking about today. They must be rooted in his word. Truth is not relative to individuals or to the situations they find themselves in. Truth is absolute and is sourced in the Bible. In all family situations, the word of God must be our go-to. It's our absolute truth, church. Even if we don't like what it says, even if it hurts us a little bit, And wherever the situation, whenever the situation misses the mark of God's plan for the family, okay, redemption for those that seek it can be found. In situations where there is one parent, I mean, nobody wants to grow up without a mom or a dad. Whether there's a death or an abandonment, God didn't intend for children to have to grow up that way. But when they do, because of situations, he can make a way when there doesn't seem to be a way and he can be the father to the fatherless, and he can be the husband to the husbandless, no matter what the situation. And even when, when, when mom and dad are present in a biblical model of family, right, that family isn't even perfect. There is no perfect family, but there should always be a striving to seek his ways, a submission to what his word says. Mom and dad can both be present, and there can still be a mountain of dysfunction. So we're not putting anybody above anybody else. We're not saying, we're not saying that anybody is, 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 is uh, better. We're all imperfect people. And I think it's important always to come from that viewpoint and that knowledge. When God's design for the family isn't followed, it, it's, um, it's like scrambled eggs. And you just can't unscramble them. You know, when Jesus talked to the woman who was caught in adultery, the first thing he did was he addressed the religious people who were accusing her. I think that's very interesting. Here's a woman caught in sin. He doesn't go and join the accusers. He speaks to them first. And he said, he without sin should cast the first stone. And so they all dropped their stones. You guys know the story. And then he said to the woman, where are your accusers? And she said, There's no one. They've all gone. Then he said to her, I don't condemn you either. She's guilty. Jesus said, I don't condemn you either. And then he says some of the most beautiful words in all of Scripture, go and sin no more. In other words, don't bother putting in so much effort, unscrambling the eggs, trying to unscramble the eggs of your goofed up family or your messed up situation within your family, let Jesus do that. You just quit scrambling them and give your family dynamics to him. I mean, we're sitting there going, scrambling those babies up, right? Making it worse all the time. And then over here, we're trying to unscramble them. You talk about stressful. We're doing this over here, and we're trying to fix it all over here. You can't unscramble eggs. Quit scrambling them. Give the scrambled eggs to him and let him figure it out and you go and sin no more. Before you hear me say that your family has not followed God's model for what family should be, understand that, again, no family is perfect. But that doesn't mean we throw God's blueprints away. He gave us blueprints to follow for a reason. Well, my family didn't turn out that way, so I guess... Chuck them in in the garbage. No, you don't throw those blueprints away. They're there for you, to help you. You may be a single person in here today. You may be someone who has never been married. Your family relationship then lies with your family you grew up with. And there's nothing wrong with being single. In fact, the apostle Paul encourages the, the single lifestyle for the purpose of devoting yourself to kingdom building. Trust me if you're single and you have no problem with it you've got some time to give to God probably. That some married people who have a lot of kids don't have time to give. Number 3, our conductor. I'm supposed to follow him, you know. He gave us a framework. You know, many years ago there was a man who was riding along in his Ford automobile and when something went wrong and the Then the car stopped. The man looked at the engine but could not tell what the problem was. Discouraged, he sat down and waited for another car to come along. Soon one did appear, and the friendly driver stopped and asked if he could be of assistance. What's the trouble? The man asked, and the answer came back, I can't get this piece of junk Ford to move. With that, the stranger looked under the hood and quickly made a few adjustments. He said, now start the car. To the owner's surprise, the car started immediately. Wanting to thank the stranger, the man asked, What's your name, sir? The stranger answered, I'm Henry Ford. (laughs) Guess what? The creator of the family knows best about making the family work. Hear me? There is a framework for families to function within the Word of God, and we need to follow it. I'm going to throw a couple at you honor thy father and mother. It's the fifth commandment. It's the first one with a promise. The promise is long life, and I believe that long life will happen because mom and dad won't kill you if you honor them. (laughs) Kids, I'm talking to you. This is for everybody in the church. You honor your father and mother. How many is a kid in here this morning? You're all kids, okay, come on. You're somebody's kid, aren't you? It seems like about three-fourths of you are test tube babies or something. (laughs) How many are a kid? You have a mom and dad. Doesn't matter how old they are. Doesn't matter how old you are. Honor thy father and mother. It doesn't say honor thy father and mother if they're perfect people. It doesn't say honor thy father and mother if if they do everything according to your liking. They treat you well all the time. It just says honor them, right? And we're supposed to do that. And Again, it doesn't mean mom and dad are perfect and always right, but honoring them is not an option. Not an option in the word of God. Here's another one, listen and learn from your parents. Proverbs 1.8, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Most of the time, you won't realize that you don't know everything until you have a kid who thinks they do know everything. <laughs> right? A walking example of that. Listen and learn from your parents. Here's another one. Provide for one another as family. Provision. Provide for one another as family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I meditate on that verse for a while. Is it just for dads having jobs, bringing home the bacon? No. Is it just about money? No. That provision includes love, material needs, sure, encouragement. It, It includes support, provision of everything we need to flourish as individuals, as a family. It references parents providing for their children and children providing for their elderly parents. It includes siblings providing for one another. Some of you are younger, maybe you're teenagers and once in a while, your brother or your sister, even though you're in those tweeny ages or you're a teenager, they need a hug from you. That's hard to do when you're a teenager. Anybody like that here this morning? I'm trying to look here. You two guys right there. You guys, are you guys brothers? No, you're friends? We got, I can't see very good in here. I'd like to see two brothers, two brothers, would you just, is there two brothers sitting next to each other in this room? Stand up right there. Would you go hug your brother? You're right there. Dylan, would you, I like that. That's nice. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? I mean, if your brother, if your brother can't hug you and you can't hug your brother, I mean, that's a problem, right? What if you really get into it and you're just button heads? Didn't you used to live with him? Daniel, did you butt heads? Yeah, Mira his wife was not going to pick up your dirty underwear. I mean, that just wasn't going to (laughs) happen. Button heads. Sometimes you just need to hug it out, right? Provide for one another as family. Hey, here's another one, training up children. There's all sorts of framework about all these things in the Bible. You can't even get to all of them. There's so much in the Word of God. I read over 100 verses just, regarding to fam- just, just pertaining to family in these kind of relationships as I was putting this together, this sermon. Training up children, Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We're supposed to train our kids. How many of you know things are better caught than taught? I love that country song, I've been a-watching you, dad ain't that true, I'm your buckaroo, I want to be like you, you know that song? He talks about how his kid was, started praying because he saw his dad pray, and in the beginning his little kid cussed because he saw his dad cuss. <laughs> Such a true song. <laughs> They're watching you, train them up, think about it all the time. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. How many of you are from the generation where mom and dad said, go out and cut yourself a switch about three foot long? I didn't have to cut a switch. My dad just used his belt. Right or wrong? I tell you what, some people think that's abusive. He never, he never left a mark. Some of you can't say that. <laughs> It's not, not necessarily funny. I deserved the belt a couple times. I probably deserved a mark. I didn't get one. But you know, growing up, the worst thing I've ever told my mom, because of my dad, you want to know the worst thing that ever came out of my mouth towards my mom? I told her to be quiet once. They go, ooh. <laughs> Do you know what kids say to their parents today? Oh, my Lord unbelievable what comes out of their mouth and the argument. I told my mom, be quiet, and I will never say that again. My dad has been dead 11 years, and I will still never say that to my mother ever again because of the walloping I got for saying that. And his words, you don't talk to my wife that way. Because I did grow up in a marriage-centered home. I had no right to talk to my mom that way. I had no right to talk to my dad's wife that way in that moment. Training up children, showing them how to live, disciplining when it needs to be. And by the way, some kids, you could spank them all day long. I was probably one of those for a while. It doesn't do any good, so you got to find other ways, right? There's not one way works all the time for every kid. Husband and wife relationships. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. The next time you're harsh with your wife, your wife should look at you and say, Colossians 3.19, husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. (laughs) Honestly, would that make a man more mad if a wife quoted that scripture? (laughs) Ephesians 5.22, wives submit to, undergird, and support your own husbands as to the Lord. Support them, come underneath them, hold them up. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. There is verse after verse after verse in the Bible regarding husband and wife relationships. They're a framework. They're there in the word of God. And F, watch your tongues. That's really important in family relationships, isn't it? Even the church family relationships, it's important. But in our families it's it's all too important ephesians 4 29 says let no corrupt corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear my dad when he learned this verse he stuck a jar in the middle of the kitchen table and he wrote on it the negative jar and if your words were not uplifting and building up you had to put money in that jar I took that idea to college, and we called it the cuss jar, and we called it the, had to talk good and build up people in our dorm room, my roommate and I, and we had one guy come in, and he he, he had just failed the test, and he threw his credit card in there, and he just swore for about 30 seconds. (laughs) So, maybe don't take it to college, you know. But only let words come out of your mouth that build people up, that build your family members up. And how many know this thing is hard to close? Guilty, incredibly guilty, right here. Who can control the tongue? <laughs> That's what Scripture says. Who can bridle this thing? Ah, it takes spending time in, in God's presence. Colossians three twenty one says, "Fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged." That's a good verse provoking your children. And there's principles in these verses that I think are, are real. You know, a lot of times um, there's an old way of interpreting Scripture, old Jewish method called the light and the heavy. Anybody ever hear that phrase, the light and the heavy of it? The, the light is, okay, it's this way in this situation, and if it's, if it's true or if it's heavy, it's It's heavy in this situation. So fathers, do not provoke your children. So it would be true for that. It's true for other things, whether they're light or heavy. If it's true for the heavy, it's always true for the light. That's the point. Let's be honest. When most Christians have issues in their own families, they reach for a book. And that's not necessarily bad. There are a lot of good books, but there's nothing like the book. Bible. Full. A family dynamic training, full of framework for functioning as a family. We just need to follow our conductor in what he's already told us. And this morning, I'm going to close with a challenge to you. We've got, we got to follow our conductor. We have the information. We just need to follow it. We need to follow him. But I want to give you a challenge to, let's make May the month of May. A month to commit to following our conductor in our unique family dynamics. I know there's as many as there are people here, but let's commit those dynamics to following our conductor. Let's really commit our families to prayer this month. Can we make May a month to pray for your families, your household, but also your extended family? Let's even add fasting to our prayers in reference to any tough situations that your family may be going through. And let's end with prayer this morning. And I, I, I want to pray for families. And if you have any needs at all within your family, I'm just going to ask this. We're not going to play any music or do anything like that, but would you just stand in faith and receive from the Lord this morning? I'm going to pray. If you have any situations in your family at all that are tough, pray father god i thank you for everyone standing and even for those not standing today and god this morning we give you our families we give you those dynamics that are difficult we give you the dynamics that are that are wonderful and lord we give you those situations that are tough and and hard to navigate through god We know that you want our families to be a beautiful symphony. We know, God, that you want beautiful things to come forth from our families, but God, we also know that we've messed up a time or two. We've brought things on ourselves, and other people have brought things within our families, have brought things, God, that aren't so good. And they've changed the dynamics. But God, we call upon you today as our restorer, as our redeemer, as our forgiver. Lord, we give you those situations right now in Jesus' name, and we say, God, our family is yours. Begin to mend it. Begin to heal it. Let us be Jesus in every situation, God, within our families. Help us have good attitudes. Help us put a smile on our face. Help us be the ones that encourage the rest of our family. Help us be the catalyst, God, because we're so full of the Holy Spirit to bring healing and wholeness to our families. God, we know you love us and we know you love our families. God, we commit May as a month to pray for our families. And God, at the end of May, we're going to talk about some testimonies of what God has done. Lord, where there's bitterness, let those bitter roots just dry up and be gone in the name of Jesus. Where there's brothers and sisters who can't even hug each other because of the animosity, God, I pray that that would switch as we fast and pray. God, for husband and wife relationships, Lord, that marriages would become stronger than ever before for the divorced person, God, that they would not feel shamed or accused or second-class citizen because of that. And Lord, you'd do a great healing within their hearts. Father, for every situation, we just pray that you would cover it because we know your blood atones. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.